We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey Chargers fans, welcome in to another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We are coming to you live after Monday Night Football. Unfortunately, a loss for the Los Angeles Chargers against the New Orleans Saints came up just short. Um, Justin Herbert played as good of a game as he could have possibly played. You know, he was under pressure all night long. Uh, Just unfortunate that some of the plays couldn't go their way. And specifically the kicker. And, you know, Money Badger was Broke Badger tonight. Um, Tyler, we'll start with you. How are you doing? And uh, what are your initial reactions to the Chargers' loss to the Saints? Uh, I'm doing all right. Today was kind of a stressful day, school-related stuff, but that's fine. Just expected. Um, So I wish I could have come out with a win to finish my night with something positive. But that's okay. Uh, As far as first, you know, initial thoughts on the game, I think, again, pump the... Well, I'm sure we'll talk about this because we will after every loss. Pump the brakes on firing Anthony Lynn or Steichen. You know, if if anything, fire Stewart or, or Bradley... But if you watch this kid Herbert go out with no Eckler, eventually no Allen, no right side of of his offensive line, and they made progress this week. They scored 24 last week. They scored 30 this week, right? 30? Yeah, should have had 34. 27. Oh, 27? Sorry. Whatever. Well, I can't do math. I'm a bio major. Ignore me. 
Um, so yeah, I wish. <laughs> anyway, they made progress this week, and they should have scored more if, like, like Steven said, their kicker situation came in and uh, and held up. So yeah, as far as the kicker situation goes, uh, I was worried about this early on, but I just thought it was a you know possible you know kind of trust issue, or maybe they just wanted to be more aggressive on fourth down. That's cool. You know, and there wasn't a big enough sample size to say that Badgley was someone they didn't trust yet, but you definitely could see that they were a little bit worried. And I remember hearing, I don't remember who it was, but that, that Badgley just missed a couple of kicks in training camp, wasn't looking super great. And then now you just see it, it, it all collapse on the Chargers tonight. You know, he missed one earlier this season. Um, that didn't really haunt them too much. Um, but then, yeah, tonight, missing a PAT, you know, which should have at least kept, a, kept them out of overtime, potentially, um, just from that alone. And then obviously missing the field goal at the end, despite the heroic effort from Mike Williams. Uh, it's tragic. You know, it's a bummer. It's a shame. You know, they clearly, it's it's amazing that the guy that can't hit from 50 yards is the guy who also owns the Chargers franchise record for a field goal. So I don't, right. of course. So um, yeah, it's time for at least bring in a kicker, you know, for competition or something, light a fire. But clearly it's not cutting it. And it's it's really, really disappointing. I just sat there in silence the entire, you know, the entire time during overtime. Uh, what a bummer. Yeah, watching Drew Brees march down the field in overtime was uh, not fun. Um, Alex, how are you doing? Uh, hopefully doing a little bit better because I know your Tampa Bay Rays are uh, making some noise in the baseball playoffs, which apparently is still a thing. Uh, how are you doing? And what is your initial reaction to the Chargers loss? Um, doing pretty good. Not good in terms of the loss, though. I mean, that was pretty devastating. <laughs> um yeah i mean as you said justin herbert played about as good as game as he could have played um the run game just kind of didn't get going and the defense just sort of had a sluggish second half and then you compound that with the badgley errors and mistakes uh and just all around it wasn't a good game but i uh yeah i you know we mentioned bringing in competition for badgley I don't know what they're going to do at this point because, you know, generally I feel like the Chargers bring in competition, like, before the season, not really, like, during it. Um, you know, unless they just cut the kicker outright, like, something like Young Waiku, but I don't think that would happen with um, Mike Badgley. So we'll see what happens going forward with him. But, um, yeah, it's, it's as Tyler said, they probably should have brought some competition for him in the uh, preseason. But uh, it is what it is. Uh tough loss and they're one and four headed into this awkward buy instead of an easy game at the jets but you know they also need some time to get healthy because as we'll go through in a couple minutes uh injuries 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 yeah the chargers theme of the season so far has been injuries and it got worse tonight you know joey bosa was a game time decision thankfully he was able to play thankfully mike williams was able to play because he was fantastic especially after uh, Keenan Allen went down and, and, you know, they were so close to, you know, having that chance of going, of continuing that drive in overtime. Just, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, made a really good play. And unfortunately, it looks like Mike Williams got hurt again on that play. Um, but this, this one was tough because the Chargers offensively and defensively didn't do anything to really like beat themselves. They played a, a pretty clean game and they did most of the things that we talked about in terms of like the keys to the game, the the running game was a little more efficient. You know, Justin Jackson had 70 something rush yards. Um, they pressured breeze on an okay amount. You know, Joey Bosa had a sack, Uchenna also had a sack and they got a turnover and, you know, 
uh, Nasir Adderley made a great play on that uh, on that interception as well. And, uh, you know, they did most of the things that they had to do. It just, you know, it came down right to the end of the game. And unfortunately, uh, Michael Badgley did not uh, come through in the clutch. So in terms of the kicker, man, I was really surprised that they didn't bring someone in the preseason for a competition. And that kind of signaled to me like, okay, maybe they do trust Michael Badgley to make some plays. And then, you know, they didn't express that trust on the field. So it was definitely weird. Um, I am never going to feel bad for kickers because they literally have one job. They sit off the sideline, they kick and they kick, you know, a hundred times in a practice situation. And their one job is to kick the ball. And he missed a PAT, which would have forced the Saints to go for two on that last touchdown. Who knows what happens there? And then he missed a game-winning field goal at the end of the fourth quarter. So uh, at minimum, there needs to be a kicker brought in, you know, to to have some competition. And maybe that led to fire under Badgley because this isn't an isolated incident. You know, he's missed kicks all year so far. They haven't had a ton of opportunities for him, but... You know, he has not been good. He has not been the money badger that we were used to in 2018. Um, and then he was hurt last year. So maybe 2018 was just kind of a, you know, it was just a, a fluky season from a kicker. I don't really know. Um, so it just came out that Sam Tevy got poked in the eye. Oh, so um, on the injury front, they lost Sam Tevy. They lost Uchenna Unwosu in the middle of the game. They lost Casey Hayward, who uh, I believe didn't play the last three drives. And then obviously they lost Keenan Allen. So, you know, I would have loved for a win to go into into the bye week. But, man, this team just it, it needs a week off and it needs to just have some time to rest and recuperate in a really bad way. Uh, yep. This is uh, I don't know. I've, I'm sure if you drew, you know, the two the offense and the defense up on a piece of paper, you'd be erasing. I don't know how many starters are left. Truly. I mean, the fact that. First of all, I'm glad it, it seems like the injury to Hayward and Allen aren't too bad. Um, so it's not like, I, right. you know, I think a good week off plus, you know, a week of, you know, regular practice or whatever. I think they'll be okay. Um, but man, it's just, it's, it's brutal. It's, it's been pretty brutal. And, um, I guess if we want to talk about the defense, how much do you guys think you put, you know, Bradley's just out of players at one point, you know, you got Lemonier rushing the passer and Isaac Rochelle, which actually worked a couple. I think he got, did he get the holding penalty? Was that on him? I don't know. I want to say the holding was on uh Linval Joseph. Oh, okay. I don't know. Um, I think, yeah, it's just tough. It's tough to watch this team because like, I don't want, like, I don't want to make excuses for the coaches and it's, I we've, I think the three of us definitely have been defending these coaches um, but it's tough. It just kind of reminds me of the Mike McCoy, Mike McCoy season where, you know, they're not winning, but you can also blame the entire season on these injuries. And this is as, as bad as I can remember it for sure. So, um, yeah, it's bad. These injuries are, are brutal, man. Every every starter, you know, I do power rankings every week and I take out, you know, I have to take out players every week from that top 10 because they're injured. And, you know, with Allen and Hayward out, that means I have another two different players in the top 10. It's it's uh it's just getting rough. Yeah, uh, I just think at some point it's not sustainable, right? Like, you can't have Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler missing large portions of games and just expect to, like, win. And they they almost did uh, without Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, which is great. But over the course of a 16-game season, you just can't have guys in and out of the lineup and expect to be really successful, right? Um, 
very few teams, I think, have been able to have sustained playoff-level success doing that. So um, it it is what it is. Uh, you know, I laughed on the whole Week 6 bye thing, but as things have played out with, you know, Keenan and Hayward in this game and the Eckler injury, um, Ingram and Jones, right, all of those guys, um, it, it probably will be good to get them a week off and then see what they are Week 7 against Jacksonville. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but they got to, you know, this next stretch, they got to have all their guys with Jacksonville, Denver, and uh, Jacksonville, Miami, and Denver is the next three games, something like that. But uh, they can't lose any of those games. Uh, Those all have to be wins if they want any chance to be at the postseason. Yeah, this was pretty much as close to a must-win scenario as possible for the Chargers, you know, as much as, I guess one and four was kind of always possible. It just really sucks that this is the the manner in which that they got to one and four because, you know, credit to the Carolina Panthers. They have gone on a hot streak themselves. So that that loss isn't, you know, doesn't make me feel as bad as it did previously, but they should have won that game. They were really close to beating the Kansas City Chiefs. They were really close to beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then they were really close winning tonight. And they've lost in a different way each and every week. And it's just... You know, Anthony Lynn said in his press conference when we were listening before we started recording, he's like, it's not as simple as just doing one thing because Justin Herbert didn't turn the ball over tonight, you know, and and that's one thing that they corrected and they were running the ball a little bit better tonight. You know, Justin Jackson had 15 carries for 71 yards and, you know, they were doing the things that they had to well, you know, they mostly contained Alvin Kamara for, for the majority of the game outside of that one wheel route. And on that route, Rayshon Jenkins was in perfect coverage. Like, you can't play that ball any better. Um, and, you know, he just came down with a great catch. So today was just, you know, spin the wheel of how are the Chargers going to lose. And today it landed on, you know, a kicker who has a good reputation, missing a PAT and missing a game-winning kick. So um, it's, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. I will say on some positive notes, you know, Justin Herbert, you know, he played – an outstanding game and credit to him. You know, he handled the pressure as well as he could. This offensive line is a mess. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that the chargers gave up at least 20 pressures today. If not more, uh, he was sacked three times for a, a negative 25 yards. So, you know, if this were college, you know, Justin Herbert would have had, uh, seven carries for negative 20 yards. So, this offensive line, it was bad. And Ryan Groy, you know, he's a professional, and apparently he had a good reputation, but he needs to not be in the game. He specifically uh, was, you know, the Chargers' two sacks, or two of the three sacks were caused by Ryan Groy. I, I don't understand. You know, Tyree St. Louis kind of struggled a little bit in pass protection in week one, but not as bad as Ryan Groy has over the past few weeks. And you know, Trey Pipkins looked pretty bad as well. This offensive line overall was just rough. And 2019 Sam Tevy showed up for the first time this year, <laughs> which you, you, you just can't have that kind of performance when you're having a bad left tackle, a bad right guard, and a bad right tackle as well. Um, you know, this team needs Brian Balaga and Trey Turner back in a really bad way. Yeah, what a – I mean, okay – I'm shocked that Sam Tevy's first sack came in week five, so I'll give him some credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, we all lost money on that one. I, I hope, you know, I don't know how Lamp and Feeney played. They didn't really look good really anywhere. I'm not really sure if anybody played all that well, but again, you know, 
Well, I would say that I will go back and watch the all 22. But what I mean by that is Steven's going to tell me how they did. And I'm just going to use his position and, and take, take his word for it. So I don't have to watch five different linemen on, you know, 50 whatever different plays. Um, as far as, okay. It gets exhausting Yeah, I'm sure it man. does. I, I kind of avoid it. You have these rankings every week. I'm like, perfect. That's all I need to know. I just sprinkle a little bit there of pro go. football focus in there. And it's like, okay. Happy yeah, to help. Appreciate it. Happy to play my part yeah. there. <laughs> um, as far as other positives go, I guess we'll do some more positives because it's been dreary. Um, I do appreciate the work that Chenin Mosu is putting in. The announcers still continue yes. to call him Nwosa or Nwoso or whatever. And it, it blows my mind. It's not that hard to pronounce. And the funny thing is, they always get the NWO part right, but not the SU part. Like the more difficult part, they get you know, they get right. But the, anyway, side. He's doing things. I w- I'm so bummed because I wanted to have a Mosu um, breakdown up. He's doing things that remind me kind of what Melvin Ingram does. And one of the things I like that, that he yeah. does, that Ingram does, that we started to see at the end of last season, is he's getting his hands up when, it, when the ball is being thrown. He's a guy who, I mean, yeah, the sacks are cool, the pressures are cool, but I really like the way he's getting the ha- his hands up, knocking the ball down. That's something that Melvin Ingram does very, very well. And it's kind of cool to start seeing Mosu become a guy who looks more like Ingram than the college Mosu, you know, and the guy who's starting to put some consistent performances together and he's doing it, you know, I don't, I don't believe he's being double teamed on every play, but he's certainly doing it without, you know, without, well, obviously without Ingram, but without Bosa as well being a hundred percent. So yeah. And Mosu definitely was a positive from this game. And I guess I'll go one more. Yeah. I, I really have to give credit to Joey Bosa who had, I mean, he might've finished with three pressures in a sack. I think it was definitely two. Um, but give him credit. The guy was on on spot duty and in I think twenty pass rush snaps or whatever it was. You know the guy came in and actually made some some pretty good plays against some really good tackles. So, you know, good work on him. It, I'm shocked that he chipped Kamara and then Kamara still went ahead and got that catch. That was that was that was something right. else. Um, so those two guys, you know, Joey Bosa for his effort and Wosu for his actual play during the game. Uh, I'm definitely impressed with that. I can't wait for Ingram to come back. This is a truly uh, ferocious front when he does. So hopefully he comes back after the bye. Uh, some of my positives, uh, Mike Williams, I mean, he stepped up in a big, big way this game. Uh, I did not expect him to have that effort. If you told me, you know, Keenan Allen went down and, you know, he had to play wide receiver one. Uh, so Mike will had a huge game, obviously put them right in position to win. Like it feels like he always does in the fourth quarter uh, on some miraculous ball. Uh, and you know badgley blew it but you know it is what it is uh other than that justin jackson we mentioned he had that big 39 yard carry that uh helped the chargers a little bit uh at the beginning and he he was all right throughout the game uh certainly better than joshua kelly who kind of ended up just being a zero today uh other positives uh both as you guys have mentioned uh just you know, the sack he got on Breeze when uh, Josh Hill actually went to the other side and they single covered him uh, with uh, against Ramchick, which I thought was a really good play by Bosa, uh, just using his moves there. And, um, yeah, the defense was okay. Uh, I, I felt like there were some kind of missed opportunities, but any time that you hold Kamara in check, any time that... You really stop the Saints on a couple drives. Um, you can't really be mad at the effort. Uh, you know, some of the Michael Davis plays on uh, Emmanuel Sanders uh, are ones that I wish I think he wishes he had back. But overall, I mean, there were definitely a lot of positives. Herbert, Mike Williams, Bosa. 
a little bit of Justin Jackson, and that's kind of it for the positives for me, unfortunately. Uh, There were just a lot of uh, bad or just dumb uh, mistakes in this game that really cost the Chargers uh, in a lot of spots. Yeah, you're right. You know, going back to Achenna for a second, you know, that sack that he had on Breeze, that bull rush on Teron Armstead, you know, that's just something we hadn't seen until tonight. And, you know, uh, Teron Armstead is a fantastic, fantastic offensive lineman. He's one of the better left tackles in the league. So seeing that growth from him has, has been, uh, really good to see as well. Um, you know, the, I mean, Drew Brees attempted 47 passes tonight. Um, he had the one interception. Uh, outside of that, he played pretty well. He only threw one touchdown, but you know, Alvin Kamara had 45 yards rushing. So they did pretty good there. He had outside of that one catch, he only had about 50 yards receiving and he didn't have a touchdown. So that's good. This game in particular is where they really missed Chris Harris Mm -hmm. because, you know, Desmond King, I thought he played okay, but you know, they were moving Emmanuel Sanders around all over the field. And I have to think if Chris Harris was healthy, he probably would have been, you know, shadowing Emmanuel Sanders and that would have been really fun to watch. And, uh, Sanders ended up with 12 catches for 122 yards. So um, I think if you head into this game and you know that you you kind of hold Breeze in check for the most part, uh, you hold Alvin Kamara in check for the most part, and your quarterback you know, doesn't turn the ball over, your running back doesn't turn the ball over, the offense had no turnovers. Justin Herbert had 264 yards passing, four touchdowns. You know, I think you take that game nine times out of ten. It's just, again, the freaking kicker issue. Um, you know, I think Jalen Guyton has, has stepped up in a, in a good way as well, giving him some props for a second. He's become a guy that Justin Herbert can count on in, in, in a deep situation. I was surprised at the lack of Hunter Henry and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he did have the one touchdown. So make it five weeks in a row that the saints have given up a touchdown to the tight end. Um, but I would, would have loved to see, uh, Hunter Henry a little bit more involved. And, you know, again, you know, we talk about the coaches, I don't want to criticize too much because, you know, most of the game plan was fine and it worked. Uh, I would have loved to see the Chargers, you know, go a little bit more quick passing game, specifically to Hunter Henry and, and and Mike Williams and and kind of take some pressure off of Herbie because he was under pressure all the freaking time in the second half. The, the Saints were throwing every single blitz at him that they possibly could. I'll have to go back and look at the blitz rate, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it is uh, very high. So I would have loved to see Shane Steichen kind of make that adjustment and go into the quick game, take some pressure off. And that helps out the run game as well, because then the the linebackers and the corners have to back up a little bit, give some running lanes as well. So that is my one criticism tonight uh, for the coaching staff. You know, I would have loved to see more quick game on offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious how much they, they run these quick screens to a receiver that's not Keenan Allen. I don't I don't know if I've seen like a well, obviously not Joe Reed. <laughs> Um, or Mike, Mike Williams <laughs> has been absent, so it's hard to tell what their plans were for him. But Keenan Allen's usually that guy they throw a quick screen or that RPO you saw last week, you know, and, and try to make kind of those kind of throws happen, and they didn't even attempt that at all. And I'm just curious if, if Allen being out changed that. Um, and then they only ran that one play with Tyron Johnson once. I don't know if he had another... Did he have a catch that game in this game? No, he did not. So... Also, just because I'm, I'm thinking of it, uh, he's pretty much replaced Joe Reed at this point. Joe Reed is now a, a wasted pick. Um, I mean, not really. Like, if you find another guy who's better, it's fine. Like, it, it happens. But 
you know, for a fifth round pick, it's it's very clear as soon as they handed that ball to Tyron Johnson that Joe Reed's time was over. Like maybe you just put someone else back there for kick return, that's fine. Um, but as soon as you can you can basically see exactly what they would hopefully potentially do with Joe Reed, go right to Johnson. Uh, it's over. So Joe Reed's time on this team is pretty much over. I know Donald Parham had at least more than one snap. I don't know how much he was in the game, but there was at least a, a one series where he was in on consecutive plays. Um, so, yeah, kind of a bummer to see Joe Reed go. And they, they got to figure out something because, yeah, Herbert can't continue to just you know, hand the ball off and then run these long play-action passes. I know he's got a big arm. I know he can hit these huge throws, um, but they got to change something up. Um, and they play the Jaguars next? Dolphins? I don't know. Teams that I'm not too worried about in terms of the defensive line, I guess. But, um, yeah, they got to change it up a little bit. Yeah, they play the Jaguars. Jaguars are next. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. Who knows? Nobody really knows. Um, Hopefully they can change it (laughs) up. It's so weird. It's so weird. I'm I'm, I'm kind of – I'm sure it will change by the time the bye week's over. But, uh, yeah, Yeah. I'd love to see them have just like one one more – hopefully after the bye and another week of practice, they really have some sort of offense together. It's tough, though, because it's like, okay – uh, you could run this week without Mike Williams. Okay, this week you're not gonna have Austin Eckler. Okay, this week you're not gonna have Keenan Allen. It's like, okay, we just didn't run these. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, I know Herbert practiced with all these second string guys during training camp, but you can't just how many plays do you have to? And how many? How much do these guys know? What's the chemistry? So, uh, I don't know. It's tough. Um, as far as some of my negatives in this game, my first negative will go to uh, Steve Levy for calling Tyron Johnson Jawan Johnson. Uh, <laughs> opening kickoff of the game, <laughs> but yeah, that was bad. Other than that, um, I think it was like a Steven said, just more quick passes and specifically getting out of the run on early downs because like they they just have to admit at a point that it wasn't going to work in this game with Jackson and uh, Kelly on first second down. They really struggled uh, running the ball on those key kind of early downs which is where they usually have success with Eckler, but the offensive line just wasn't getting enough push, uh, as we mentioned, with uh, the poor performances of Pipkins, Groy, and, and somewhat Tevi too. Um, so, I, yeah, I wish they went to more of a um, just kind of <laughs> let let Herbert throw it 60 times if it comes to that because it, it just felt like Jackson and Kelly – really didn't have anything this game in terms of the early first down runs because you know if you're you know what's the point of really running it on first down if every time it's going to be second and 12 or second and nine right it it just doesn't really uh move the needle on offense at all when the offensive line really isn't getting push um so yeah I, i i'm curious to see obviously i don't think they'll play a defensive front that's as good as the saints for a while um, so maybe you'll have Kelly and uh, Jackson have some better opportunities, but I, I would like to see them put a little bit more into Herbert's hands um, since he's shown that he can do it. Uh, and that's that, that was my main complaint. I, I guess a little bit of uh, let Herbert cook. <laughs> let Herb cook. So, you know, I think that's I'm kind of disappointed that he his preferred nickname is Herb. No, I'm not calling him that. It's it's kind of boring. Like, you know, Herbo, I guess, would even be better. But Herbie, man, like, that's fine. Or Little Uzi Bird, like we were like, Alex was saying. (laughs) But just Herb is, it sounds like an old man nickname. Yeah. Is Herbie the old man from uh, Family Guy? What's his name? Herbert. 
Herbert is the ultimate for Family Guy. <laughs> yeah, the guy, the guy who whistles every time he yeah. talks. Hey, Chris. Yeah, that oh guy. Oh my gosh. Anyway, you never know what you never know what kind of pop culture reference you're going to get out of us. And today it's Family Guy. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, what else happened today? Um, let me check my notes because I just I stopped taking notes after a while because I was just kind of sad. <laughs> um, I had something. Oh, um, okay. I'll throw this one out there. Is Justin Jackson the starter moving forward, or was Kelly not given as many touches because of his two back-to-back fumbles? Well, I think Anthony Lynn said that uh, he was going to stick with the hot hand, and and that, I mean, I'm not saying Justin Jackson was the hot hand, but he was (laughs) a little hotter than Joshua (laughs) Kelly. And yeah, yeah, I think he did look a little little more spry today. Mm -hmm. You know, Joshua Kelly, I don't know what has happened to his eyes, but he did it again three or four times tonight where he had a lane. And he just kind of buries his head and just is fine with like two or three yards. Um, you know, which if you're exclusively like if you're a Jordan Howard guy and your role is to get two or three yards, like then sure, go do it. But, you know, we expect more out of Joshua Kelly than just getting two or three yards pop. And uh, I just think tonight was uh, was just a case of Justin Jackson was a little bit better. Um, he had those last two like dump offs. So he did have like five catches as well. Um but man, this this running game needs to get going in a bad way. Thankfully, the Jaguars are not that good. But even the Broncos, with all their injuries, their run defense has been really uh, stout as well. You know, the Raiders—that's the one good thing they do on defense is stop the run. So you know, this this running game for the Chargers has got to figure out a way to get going. And you know, you mentioned the option thing. I, I would love to see them run some more read options for Justin tonight or t- uh, going forward. Um, maybe some speed options as well, like they were doing with Tyrod in week one, but they've got to figure out a way to get positive rushing yards. And and I tweeted this out at halftime. If they're in third and long all second half, it was going to be a long day for Justin Herbert. And that is what happened for the most part. And you just, you can't ask a rookie quarterback who has a makeshift offensive line to be in these third and eight, third and nine, third and 10 situations all game long and, and expect it to keep working like it has like eventually it's going to come back down to the mean and the Chargers offense is going to be stuck in the mud any chance that the return of Tyrod Taylor not obviously not starting I'm not sure I'm not about to say that I'm just saying do you think that the return of Tyrod Taylor either a gives them an option for running the football or b lets them run Herbert more like obviously they're trying to protect the quarterback by golly they don't want to go to east and stick there's no way they want to go to east and stick <laughs> so you know don't get Herbert hurt but at some point this is a big dude who's not really fast, but I feel like there are some plays here. They ran him once this game, and it did pick up positive yards. Um, I don't know if up the middle was what I'd envisioned for Herbert. But, you know. Yeah, that was weird. Can they Can they maybe, you know, find some running? In, you know, can Tyra Taylor do something in this offense? I mean, God, they tried a, tried, they tried a, a pass whatever last year with Tyrod Taylor and Rivers that didn't work. So let, let's see some. <laughs> it never, and they did it the year before. I forget what it did, but it didn't work. Um yeah, I mean, I'd love to see them either run with Herbert more, you know, or try something creative or get Tyrod Taylor involved or something. So when he comes back, I'll be really interested to see if they make any changes there. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to use Tyrod as like a, as like a real integral part of the offense. I mean, I, I'd love to see Tyrod in a Taysom Hill role. <laughs> it would be really cool, um, I think, to have him in that kind of role. I think really if they do use Tyrod, it'll be more like a Jalen Hurts kind of thing where they use him a bit as a decoy um, and and maybe he'll get a pass or a run here or there. But I don't think I think it might be more just misdirection than anything. Um, 
but yeah, I I I, I hope they use Tyrod. Don't think they will uh, in that kind of capacity. But yeah, I, I would like more run plays for Herbert. I mean, he had the yeah, as we mentioned, the the fake handoff to Jackson where he just took it himself for five yards, which you know was one of their few, uh, you know, really positive running plays. So do more of that if it works. If it works up the middle, um, the only thing to worry about there is is obviously injuries, right? We don't want Herbert taking um, unnecessary hits and stuff like that. So. That's the kind of trade-off that you have with uh, running the football as kind of a mobile quarterback, uh, you know, as we unfortunately saw with uh, Dak this week. Not that he's necessarily mobile, but, you know, took off and run. Didn't work, uh, unfortunately. So, I, yeah, I'd like to see that. As far as the Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly thing regarding the fumbles, I, I, I think they definitely had Kelly take a little bit of a backseat for that. But, you know... At certain points, I just thought Justin Jackson was really better. Um, like, there was that key, was it third and one or fourth and one, where he got over to Mario Davis? Um, that mm-hmm. was a really impressive play. So, you know... It was, yeah, it was super impressive. Right. Yeah, you know, so uh, obviously he had the one big 39-yard play, so he only got, like, 35 yards on, what, 13, 14 carries the rest of the game. But going deeper past, like, the, you know, bad yards per carry... Um, it was really good situational football, and that's what I think you saw to Justin Jackson tonight, um, even more say than Joshua Kelly uh, in the last couple weeks. Or you know, and I think the veteran experience is why they trusted Justin Jackson in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Anthony Lynn loves efficiency, and you know, I think Joshua Kelly like he'll never be in a negative script because of the way that he just runs and falls forward. But, I mean, Justin Jackson had a pretty good game. He had 15 carries for 71 yards, and then he had five catches for 23 yards. So, I mean, if you're going to get that kind of production out of Justin Jackson on a weekly basis or anything close to it, I mean, you take it. But this, you know, I tweeted this out about Brian Balaga. He, you know, he was he was number one in the league in run block win rate. And sometimes the running game is as simple as the guys have to do better. And, you know, Tyree St. Louis is not great, but he's at least able to get pushed. Like he's got a strong anchor and he can get pushed up front. And, you know, that's what this team needs right now. This team, you know, I'll take the struggles in the passing game because Groy does that anyway. Um, it, it was just, you know, frustrating again to see this offensive line uh, play like this. And, uh, you know, I thought Justin Jackson made uh, the most out of certain situations. You know, Demario Davis is one of the best linebackers in the league and he had a free shot at him for a tackle for loss. And Justin Jackson made a miss in the hole and then got the first down. So I was pretty pleased with how Justin Jackson played for the most part. And, and uh, you know, if I knew going into this game that he would get 70 yards rushing, I, I would take that easily. All right. So obviously to this point, you know, there's been a lot of uh, criticism towards the coaching staff. And, and I have been asked several times. I'm sure you guys have as well. Uh, do you make coaching staff adjustments at this point? And. You know, I, I think there's been a lot of criticism right now on Twitter about the conservative play calling uh, from Shane Steichen today. To me, you know, Brian Greasy said it, that they were calling plays like a team that didn't trust their offensive line. And to me, that was ultimately what was the case in in Shane Steichen. And you could see some frustration on his face multiple times. It just didn't work out. To me, I'm not making any changes on the offensive coaching staff. I think the offensive coaches are relatively safe. I mean, we look at what Justin Herbert has become and how he's developed, you know, Pep Hamilton and Shane Steichen deserve a ton of credit for that. And, you know, Shane has kind of opened it up 
open up the playbook a little bit uh, every now and then. So to me, the offensive coaches are safe. To me, Anthony Lynn is safe because, you know, he also deserves some, some credit for Justin Herbert. And, you know, Anthony Lynn is not to blame for the kicker missing two kicks. He's not to blame for people fumbling and throwing interceptions. And so, you know, they, they won the penalty battle tonight as well. So to me, if you're going to make a change in the coaching staff, it's George Stewart because the special teams were horrendous today. You know, Daniel Popper pointed out several times that the, the Saints were very close to blocking kicks. The They clearly missed Derek Watt, Drew Tranquil, Adrian Phillips, all these guys, because their return unit is – their coverage unit, excuse me, is awful. So if you want to talk about coaches being fired to me, I'm starting with George Stewart uh, and then – maybe moving on to Gus Bradley. I mean, the the idea that Shane Steichen's been conservative, I don't know if I'd really say that. I mean, he's kind of had to be conservative. Like, he's missing two of his offensive linemen and his best running back. <laughs> like, you know, if you don't have, like... A, and his best receiver. Yeah, and his best receiver in this game. Um, but, but even heading into this one, right, you don't have Turner, you don't have Balaga. It's like, that's such a, a negative in the run game that it's like, okay, you know... You're basically Steichen is supposed to cook up a scheme, and it nearly worked to beat the Saints. Uh, to you know, basically beat one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL without having a run game yourself with a rookie. <laughs> That's like you know, turning up the sliders right. on Madden to like you know, ultimate difficulty or whatever. Um, it, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's it was a really difficult position he was in, and honestly, the last two weeks, you look at what the offense has been doing. Obviously, I think. In the Carolina game, that's where they sort of struggled and there were some questions about Steichen. But, you know, in both weeks, they put up, you know, over, you know, 27 points now, uh, th- 31 against the Bucks, 27 tonight. Um, and I-, I don't know if there's really more Steichen could do with the current offense. Um, the only criticism that I had is, as I said earlier, just moving away um, from the first down rushes a little bit, uh, especially as it got to be later in that game and the Saints were creeping up. I wish he was a little bit more aggressive there. But at the end of the day, like an offensive call, uh, play caller is like supposed to rely on, hey, you know, this is my passing game, this is my run game, and I, you know, kind of have to do what I can to trust them. You know, so it's it's a bit hard when the running game is what it is because of the offensive line and injuries. Um, George Stewart, I mean, that's another one. They they do look undisciplined on special teams. Uh, we, we've talked about neighbors quite a bit. We've talked about, obviously, Badgley. Um, Ty Long has been really good on special teams, but they came close to blocking some punts, and he got roughed up. So the blocking certainly hasn't been uh, what it could be, and so that might be something that they look at uh, later down the road. I don't think it'll be during the season because he's not like a big – offensive defensive coordinator kind of firing like Wiz and Hunt you know I don't think it would happen until after the season but maybe they look to make some changes there um we'll see uh I'm curious to see what you guys think of the defensive coordinator and and what Bradley was doing tonight uh so what were your what were your thoughts on that it's such a tough one because I mean okay are we disappointed that he doesn't blitz more yada yada the same usual thing sure but I Okay, so I can't get rid of Lynn. I can't get rid of Steichen. I can't get rid of Hamilton. But something has to change. And it's so unfortunate to feel like you have to fire Bradley for something to change when his entire defense is decimated and every playmaker he could possibly have is either injured 
during the game or not even attending this game. So, I mean, it's just so tough, but I just can't help that something has to change. Like, even if you get the same amount of points are scored or something, just trying something different, perhaps. I don't know. I know that something has to change on this coaching staff. It can't be Lynn. Um, it can't be Steichen. It can't be Hamilton right now, so long as Justin Herbert continues to progress. So, yeah, I really think not midseason unless it gets really bad. If all these players come back and this defense continues to be a problem versus the Jaguars and the Jets and the Raiders, sure, maybe, kind of like Wisenhunt last year. Um, it's tough. Like the only reason I'd, I'd switch him out is just because things aren't working, but you can't also put too much blame on him when every all pro or pro bowler he's ever coached is, is no longer on the field right now. You know, we were playing Jesse, Jesse Lemonier and Brandon face on, and you know, guys that come on, like you can't, you can't beat Drew Brees and the saints with that Mike Thomas or not. And um, so that's unfortunate. As far as George Stewart goes, just cause I didn't say anything yet. It was horrendous tonight. It was bad. It was so it bad. Was, it was maybe the worst punt coverage I've ever seen. It was horrible. And, you know, you like players have to execute. Yeah. But it happened so routinely. I mean, that it was bad. Bad as making missing kicks. You know, obviously, you know, Stewart's not standing there going, uh, you should try missing this time. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> obviously, you know, th- that's up to Badgley to figure his shit out. But, um, yeah, it was it was really bad tonight. I'm shocked that I mean Ty Long has really been the MVP of the special team so far. You could argue that he's one of the most underrated players on the team right now. He's consistently you know kicking very very well, uh, both as a kickoff you know specialist and as well as a, as a punter. Other than that, the special teams were terrible. So if you want to if you wanted to fire George Stewart midseason um, after that performance, I, I wouldn't be opposed because that was that was terrible last week. You could argue, you know, I know the Chargers lost by more than three points. But even if, you know, after that K.J. Hill return, after that terrible neighbor's penalty, you know, maybe they got in a field goal there and think that changes the game or keeps momentum. Maybe they get a touchdown there. Who knows? You know, instead, it, it costs them. And it's, um, I think, I don't think they scored on that same drive. Uh, but either way, you know, these, these penalties are costing them. And when you have a team that loses by, you know, whatever the record is, 3-13 and 13 or whatever it is now, losing by a certain amount of points or less, you got to look at, you know, special teams plays like that. I mean, the the, the Saints were starting at like the 50 or the 35 yep. almost every single, you know, kickoff or punt, you know, starting at the 35 or the 50. It was it was ridiculous. The fact that the Chargers, you know, only gave up 27 points in, in you know, four quarters uh, is, is incredible. A testament to the defense, I guess. Um, again, but then that, that, that's the struggle is that, is that despite the field position issues, despite the special teams letting them down, despite all the fact that, they were down so many players. The defense did play better than I thought they like. They, I thought they would give up 34 points and that's not counting overtime, obviously. And they didn't. And they got their turnover and they got two sacks despite, you know, being down some players and they did try to blitz. So again, it goes back to, you know, do you fire Bradley or do you not? I, it's so tough. Like I want things to change on this team and you might have to fire a coordinator to do it, but they kind of were good. All things considered. So ah, it's so tough. I don't know. Steven, what do you think? It it is tough because honestly, so much of this is personnel related, right? Because in, you know, in terms of the defense, right, you're down your three best edge rushers. You know, one of them is is playing with one arm, basically. Yep. You know, you're down a starting linebacker, the best player on the team, Derwin James. You're down. You lose Casey Hayward. 
you know, you lose Chris Harris and, and that impacts special teams too, because then guys have to move up. You know, Desmond King is no longer on special teams. Granted, he wasn't very good when he was on special teams. So I, at some point, you know, the Chargers have a very rough history in special teams. Last year, the special teams unit was really like the only bright spot on as a, as a whole. You know, it was really good with because of Drew Tranquil and and uh, Derek Watt and Adrian Phillips for the most part. But you know, this is a this is a very troubling trend in George Stewart's tenure. You know, the Chargers, granted, the Chargers have had always had special teams issues. Uh, you know, going all the way back to when I was a child. Um, so it, it is frustrating. I don't know how much firing George Stewart would do right now for this team in terms of turning the season around. In terms of Gus Bradley, I think firing him honestly would kind of hurt this defense because if you bring if you promote someone with the intention of saying, "Hey, we need to blitz 25 times a game." This team hasn't practiced with the intention to blitz, you know, it it, it could, I guess in theory it could get more pressure, but then you're also putting Michael Davis and, and Desmond King and Casey Hayward on an island. And Casey Hayward has not been very good. Brandon Faison, I mean, he played okay tonight, you know, given the circumstances. Michael Davis has always struggled in one-on-one coverage. Desmond King was arguably the worst slot corner last year in terms of coverage. So it's not as simple as, well, we just need to blitz more. Well, then you're you're in more situations where linebackers are one-on-one with tight ends. And, and Michael Davis is, on, is one-on-one. And Rayshon Jenkins is one-on-one with someone. And and Emmanuel Sanders showed us all tonight that one-on-one coverage is not a good thing for the Chargers defense right now. So, I mean, could firing Gus Bradley bring some energy to this team, to this defense? Sure. But they're so decimated by injuries right now. I just, I don't know how you can make that call until, like you said, Tyler, you know, you get some of these pieces back. And then if it's bad, if they lose to the Jaguars, then 100% fire whoever you want. If they lose to the Jets, fire literally everyone on the team. I don't really care. If they lose to the Jets, uh, I don't know how many more episodes I could handle of this podcast. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's really hard for me to say you have to fire people right now when you're missing. You head into Monday Night Football against the Saints, missing 11 starters, four more leave the game early to injury, and, and you're in a position to win. All you have to do is make a kick, and we're not having this conversation. And This podcast is totally different, so... I understand the frustrations. This is easily the most frustrated I, I have felt this season because they really should have won. If it were not for Michael, for Michael Badgley missing two kicks, they would have won the game. And this is a totally different conversation. Instead, we're talking about, you know, Mike Williams being this crazy hero of a player and having that amazing catch, which led to a game winning kick and Justin Herbert having the best Monday night football debut in the history of the league. And instead we're talking about firing coaches and getting a new kicker. So. Yeah, it's frustrated. I just don't know how much firing a coach would do right now because they're down 15 starters and almost every single Pro Bowl player on the team is now out. Yeah, uh, I honestly don't think firing Gus Bradley would make much sense. And I'm of the philosophy that I don't know that in-season firings make that much of a difference unless it's something that's truly, um, truly kind of like it's just in a rut and needs to change, right? That was kind of the situation with Ken Wisenhunt last year, right? Wisenhunt just kind of had quite a few bad weeks, um, and it led to Chicago where the offense was saved by the defense, and, you know, he ends up getting fired even though they won that game. But in general, 
I wouldn't say there was a significant difference between what the Chargers offense was pre-Wiz and Hunt firing last year versus post. I mean, they were a little bit more dynamic, but they were ultimately playing with the same playbook, even though they had, okay, one or two good games the rest of the way against the Packers and uh, some other moments. But I just don't see, right, with the personnel, I don't see how firing Gus Bradley makes a difference. And I don't think, to his credit, that he's doing nearly as bad of a job as, say, Kent Wisenhunt was last year. Um, I, I just don't think it's at that level yet. And maybe you move on from him in the offseason. Um, but right now, I just, I, there's no way to really evaluate any of these coaches with the current state of the team uh other than say someone like george stewart um so that's that's the difficult part right now but i i don't think any in season in season firings would really help uh to any extent other than maybe also you know there's a an effect where players feel like it's you know a bit of an overkill right like the players defensive players so far seem to like us bradley so like you know, uh, Derwin James obviously likes Gus Bradley a lot, and, you know, they all, the defense as a whole has liked him for all the time he's been there. So I just don't, I don't think it would really help this team at all. Yeah, it would just, like I said, you know, until this team gets even remotely healthy on defense, I don't know how you can really judge what they're doing. I mean, at the end of the day, Gus Bradley's job is to limit points, you know, limit explosive plays, and, you know, that also is Anthony Lynn's philosophy. You know, it's not like he's just saying, Gus Bradley, do whatever you want. Like Anthony Lynn has a hand in at least, you know, the decision-making and a philosophy of this team. If they wanted to blitz more often then Anthony Lynn would go over there and uh, make sure that they blitz. The one thing I, you know, criticism of Gus Bradley had today is that he said he was ready to unleash Kenneth Murray mm. and Kenneth Murray didn't do shit out after the first quarter. So yep, you're right. That was really frustrating to watch. I thought Kenneth Murray made his presence felt early in this game. Um, he kind of got exposed uh, in some coverage issues, but that's, you know, kind of understandable, but I don't know. It, it's so different than the Ken Wisenhunt situation because Ken Wisenhunt was basically kept around as the charge offensive coordinator, almost exclusively because of his relationship with Philip rivers and his, you know, quote unquote ability to keep turnovers at a minimum. And that, that clearly went out the window last year. So I don't know. Make some adjustments. Sure. And to his credit, they played a lot more cover two tonight, you know, two deep safeties. And I'll have to go look back and look at that. But, you know, it's, it's frustrating. And, and to see Drew Brees just march down in key situations, it, you know, that this is Drew Brees. Like this is what he's going to do is he's going to dink and dunk and, they just they didn't stop it, and you know at some point you got to do something else besides just rely on a one armed Joey Bosa and MK Egbule and and Jesse Lemonier to to make pressure and get get to the quarterback with four. So you know this this game and the last game against Tom Brady this has really kind of exposed Gus Bradley for you know it works against Patrick Mahomes and teams that are explosive, but you know there's still these dunk, dink and dunk quarterbacks around in the league and. You know, if they're going to do the same thing next week against Gardner Minshew, this is, or in two weeks, excuse me, uh, definitely not a good look for Gus Bradley tonight. Right. Uh, I, I definitely don't think it was a, a good look tonight, but I mean, at the same time, right, we talk about the personnel, and that's that's the borderline for me. It's just the personnel, he's down. Um, uh, you know, the, the one complaint I would really have with him over the course of the season is 
the sometimes like we saw in the Bengals game and, and a few of the others, which is the, the late game prevent defense. Uh, that's uh, a criticism he's taken a lot, and that's one that I sort of agree with on him. But right now, I, I don't think there's really any grounds currently to to make a move to fire either Steichen or um, Steichen or you know Gus Bradley and have it be a move that makes sense, right? Other than just oh, well, we need to change, so we're going to change, right? To me. At the end of the day, there just has to be a reason other than just wanting a change, right? There, there has to be a reason of what he's doing wrong, you know, X, Y, and Z. And right now, I just don't know if you could see that without the personnel. So that's kind of my borderline argument, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of ending on a positive note, I guess. Uh, Justin Herbert played fantastic. And that's, you know, the story of the season, honestly. And uh, I guess... You know, when I go to to bed later tonight, I'm just going to try and think about Justin Herbert's development and, and how good that is panned out there. Um, you know, he did. He played such a good first half, and he played you know a fantastic fourth quarter again. And you know, that is the one thing that I'm going to hang my hat on tonight is that Justin Herbert is the truth, and, and and he played fantastic against one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Monday Night Football. And uh, you know, he he is playing at a, at a great level and it's just so much fun to see uh, kind of transitioning I guess he throws really good passes you could say he throws really good balls if you want some clean balls make sure and type in the guilty uh, code into manscaped if you want to make sure that bush is nice and nice and trimmed short get some uh, free merchandise from, or not free some discounted merchandise from uh, manscaped you can go ahead and use the code guilty at checkout for 20% off. Guys, any other thoughts before we wrap up tonight? Manscaped. Balls so clean. Travis Benjamin couldn't help but drop them. <laughs> Manscaped. Balls so nice. Desmond King wouldn't complain about it on Twitter. <laughs> there we go. Those ads were better than mine, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in, man. Thanks for all your support. Hopefully we can, uh, uh, get this ship right for the chargers and have some, uh, good in, you know, good intrigue on the team all season long because, you know, five and 11 last year sucked. And, uh, hopefully that is not the case again this year. Um, you know, just, uh, gotta, hopefully this team gets healthy, gets right. And, uh, hopefully no more COVID stuff ruining the season. So that'll do it for us today, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on Friday. Bye, guys. Bye. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.